Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. You know, this week we had some decent growth there on social media, so I want to take a second to thank all of you new listeners and welcome you to the show. As well, a thank you is in order for all of you who religiously listen to the show week after week. We very much appreciate your continued support and advocating for the show and spreading the word. Now, I would also like to thank everybody who participated in our guest recommendation campaign on social media. And I've actually been in contact with many of the guests you've recommended. So we should have a lot of fun on the show going into spring and working our way through summer. Now, this week on the show, we have Tristan Baroni of Meyer Company Ranch Horses. Tristan has an absolutely incredible testimony where he was raised in less than desirable circumstances. Tristan did not let those circumstances define his future, and Tristan capitalized on the opportunity to take control of his life. He has since dedicated to learning the horse, improving his horsemanship, and bettering those around him. I sure hope you all benefit from Tristan's story. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Tristan Baroni. Tristan, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very, very well. Very well. Uh, thank you very much for uh, taking time for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign. We're very much excited to hear your testimony today. I know this episode is a few months in the making, and and we're excited to hear what you have to offer. Yes, sir. I, well, first off, thanks for letting me be a part of this. I think it's such a neat thing. Now we kind of have a resource to communicate with people and convey ideas where people don't really have to watch. They can just listen. And I myself, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and yours is one of them. And it's kind of nice because if we're down or we're kind of in a tight spot, um, it's like having some friends around with a little different perspective because we're all different, you know, and, and you kind of have a very wide gamut of people that come on and it's kind of cool that we can share that because then you can just get a little different perspective. And for me and my life perspective has kind of been everything. And sometimes it, I, it's a good perspective I have and sometimes not so much. And I think something like this can help a guy kind of balance that stuff out. Well, I very much appreciate your support and your compliments, and that has been helping others was obviously the the motivating factor in putting this show together, and I just found in my experience through walking the journey of the Western world, you know, there's so many great people out there, and because it's small town America, right, and it's not Hollywood and the glitz and glamour, oftentimes those stories are not told, and you don't have to be a celebrity to have a compelling story, you know, and, and this show was, was formulated under the premise of there are so many great Americans out there and heck, we've even gone international with some of our guests to this point, you know, and just because you come from a small outfit or a small town or nobody even knows your name doesn't mean that your life story doesn't have power and, and motivation and inspiration in it. So I, like I tell everybody, right, I am just the door that opens, you know, it's, the value of this show is in, in you and all of the guests that have participated in it and willing to share their testimony and, and willing to help the man that they stand next to. You know, it's been an awesome, awesome journey, and we look forward to keeping the streak alive and 
and listening to what you have to offer today. But you work for Meyer Company Ranch Horses. What's been going on around the ranch? What's new for 2019 now that we got spring coming up for you? What's been going on is uh, winter has been going on here lately, and <laughs> and it's uh, it's starting to turn into spring here. I still got snow piles outside galore. Um, I'm pretty sure my horses are going to have to start wearing flippers and a snorkel before too long. Um, but uh, no, business-wise, it, it's good. Uh, we just finished up a web clinic that's actually going to air tomorrow oh, good. on Cavi Savvy Tri-State Livestock. Um, answered a bunch of people's questions, had a really good friend of mine, um, that has quite a few horses, but he has a family. He's got three, three little kids and a business that takes up a lot of time. So I had him come in because it gives a more realistic, um, perspective because, um, not that I'm any different. Like we're all, we're all just human, which you kind of touched on earlier, but (sighs) If I do something, I can't always give the best example because I ride so much. I don't always run into the same issues. Yeah. So I had my friend come in because he doesn't get to ride as much as he'd like to. And we were able to work through a lot of the questions that I get through him. So when that airs, I hope it can kind of help some people with that a little bit because they can have a little different approach and they can actually see problem solving occurring like in real time. No, that's a, it's a great point you bring up. I met with Robert Gonzalez last weekend, and we did some work on some horses. He was a previous guest on the show. He lives about four or five hours south of me. But we talked about that in video content, right? So many times when, right, when DVDs were the big popular thing, right, the, these trainers would spend yeah. all this time and money and, and produce the perfect DVD showing you how to complete a, mm-hmm. a certain task or a certain set of skills. But Robert and I talked about maybe putting together some video series and showing the the actual process, right? So these videos ain't going to be pretty, but you're going to yes, see please. what you're going to see what the real approach is, right? You're going to see the real problems that you run into. You're going to see how long these processes take cuz with with the caveats of social media and those avenues, um it's easy for one to think that you just go out in 15 minutes and put a little work into your horse and now you're doing amazing things, you know, and the process is not that at all. Totally, totally. And that actually, I've seen a lot of that and I've seen a lot of the DVDs and I've seen some of the trouble. And it, it's not the guys who made the DVDs this fall. They oh, were just trying to, not at to, all. to look good. But I've seen some people getting some really bad jams yeah. because they yeah. thought they could do that. Um, and that's kind of inspired my thing is I do everything in one take. I actually, I don't cut or edit the videos. It's good. No, it's, I think it's a phenomenal approach because the reality is if you truly show the entire process, you're going to have four and five and six hour DVDs, right? Um, which, yeah. is, which, is unre- yeah. which is unrealistic from a marketing and sales standpoint, production standpoint. That being said, you know, maybe now we have all these avenues to put out, you know, 10, 15 minute DVDs or 20 minute DVDs, you know, so to, to cut some raw footage of round pen work or groundwork or any number of issues with a horse, you know, might be a little bit more accurate avenue and kind of truly give people a better feel for what horsemanship's all about. Oh, totally. And I think it's switching a little bit too, because any of my videos that have got the most traction and the best retention were actually over an hour and 20 minutes long. Oh, really? And they, yeah, they were all my cult, my cult starting videos and stuff. Um, I've got those up under my company ranch horses. Uh, we, we've got a website 
myercompanyranchhorses.com and, and we're on Instagram. That's where I do little training tips and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the same, the same name under YouTube. Mm-hmm. Cause what we do here is I, I provide about 15 really well-rounded horses for sale a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking for horses that are gentle, safe, turn around both ways, flying lead changes, leg yields soft, you know, stopping soft with their mouth closed horses that are really prepared for people. Cause what I found in my experience, um, I've been riding 400, 450 horses a year for the past six years. And, um, what, what I found is I cannot show that horse everything that somebody's going to show him. Yeah. So yeah, I, tr- I try and take an approach where I get the horse to really search and really try and rationalize things because that's all we're doing with the horse, right? He's a, he's a prey animal and he's apt to get scared. And, and when he does get scared, he doesn't just get scared. Mm-hmm. Um, when the horse overreacts and switches to the sympathetic nervous system, he in fact thinks he's going to die. Yeah. And most people go, yeah, yeah, Tristan. Yeah, I get that. Well, no, I don't know if everyone does because he literally thinks he's going to die. And um, a big part of my horsemanship is I don't think people understand that so much anymore because today we've got heating and cooling and things are pretty good. And, and you know, we all have our struggles and stress, but not a lot of people, people really face that anymore. And, and the horse does. And, and what I'm trying to get to is the moment – that you realize that and the horse knows that you realize that and, and, and you kind of address it. Just that, no special training, no nothing. Just that will change his perspective on you because to him, that was the end of everything. And, and if you take the time to help him with that and not make it worse and actually address it, he'll go, Oh damn, he knows. Yeah. You know, he, he actually gets what I'm saying. Because where we have a problem with horses is so many times the darn horse is yelling. I mean, he's hollering for help. But the humans up there just determined as ever, goal-oriented, focused on one thing, and they're not feeling. They're they're so worried about what they got to get done that they miss what the horse actually needs help with. You see, so that's what I try and do is I, I try and get them thinking. And the transformation for me in my horsemanship journey has has been just that. Rather than learning a skill, we'll just call it the skill of horsemanship, you know. I try to focus on my awareness. That's really yeah. what I work on, you know. And, and early on, I would go out and I would have an agenda, right? Today, we're going to work on, you know, striking off correctly. Or today, we're going to work on collection or spin or whatever it might have been. But really, now the approach that I take is is we might have stuff that we want to work on. And if the horse allows it, we will work on it. But oftentimes we just get up in the saddle and we deal with what's presented, you know? Exactly. And and it's really, I really place emphasis on trying to listen to the horse. You know, what, what are they saying? How are they saying it? Right. What are the precursors to, to certain behaviors? You know, how does that horse basically tip its hand? And when you really start to get to that, I think it's incredible because if you think a horse is hardwired for that fight, flight, or freeze mentality, right? That's what's kept him alive for generations and generations. And we are trying to, we as horsemen, 
are trying to get that horse to instinctually use the thinking side of their brain first and, and, and convert that thought process from, okay, am I going to survive to think and work your way through this? And when you can get through to horses on that level, I mean, it's just absolutely, it's, it truly is special. It's, it's an incredible thing. Oh, and you can do anything. With, yeah. Yeah. When, when, whenever you do that, it, like so much of this comes back to what they are, right? They're a prey animal. How do they get away? Correct. They get, they get away on their feet. Okay. When do most people have trouble with a horse? When the horse is trying to get away and they're pulling on his face, which whether they know it or not is connected to his feet. Mm-hmm. So you were there by making the, you know, the horse feel very claustrophobic. Like he can't get away. So what happens? He can't run. So the situation escalates. He goes from kind of complaining to explosive dynamic force or running away or rearing up and flipping over. And uh, all along the way, there's quite a few things that happen before that. You know, then I think the most important part of this deal is what you said is awareness. It's not magic. Um, we're not special. We're all human. We have a brain and we have two arms and two legs if we're lucky. Yeah. And, um, you, you got to learn how to master that. And it's important to master your legs and master your hands. But in all honesty, the most important part is in between your ears because everybody's got two arms and, and two legs and you're kind of born with what you got. Yeah. You can work out and exercise and polish them up all things, which I believe in. But at the end of the day, yeah, you are what you are, you know, so yeah. you got to figure out how to use that. Yeah. And awareness is key because it's not just with your horse. It's with your life. It'll, it'll keep you safe. It'll keep your wife happy. It'll keep, which will keep you, you know, safe in turn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it, it'll, it'll keep people wanting to be around you because they know that you're paying attention. Yes. You yes. know, and I think if we reflect back on it, uh, anybody we meet that is just kind of, they're not very aware. Sometimes they can come off as rude or overbearing because they're, they're just not aware of what they're doing. And, um, those people generally, uh, they might be doing all right, but they're not really at peace. Um, they're usually struggling with something, but, uh, we don't always take the time to check it out. We actually kind of detach and pull away from it because we don't like it. And, um, it's the same thing with horses. The horses will do that same thing. They'll detach and pull away from you if uh, they see that that you don't understand it and you aren't aware because they're they're asking for help. And if the human doesn't recognize it pretty soon, they just go, this guy. Yeah, I'm going to go find it elsewhere. Yeah, he doesn't know. So in in the hard part about the horse is if you do too much physically pressure wise and sometimes too much isn't very much, but you do too much and that horse will retract. And he will not search. I don't care how good of a horseman or how aware you are. Once you've done too much, you better just let him sit. You might even put him away for the day and start again another day. Yeah, then because they're just one, trying to flee. Yeah, and their mind, their mind scrambles. If you yeah. think about um, a real simple analogy is I give you a math equation, right? You'd probably answer it. Hopefully. I give you a math equation, <laughs> right? But then I punch you in the nose and yeah. ask you to answer it. Yeah. Is probably not going to happen. Yeah, forget about math. We're fighting at that point. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
So it's like um, the horse, when he gets emotional and, and he gets escalated and things like that, his brain doesn't work. So you could teach him everything in the world, but he's not going to retain the yeah. information. Yeah. And um, that's what I'm such a big fan of in my horsemanship is we don't have to do things over and over and over again. If when we do them, we actually get the horse to understand them. Because at the end of the day, all the horse wants is some peace. Yeah. And, and if we get him to understand that, he'll go to war for us and he'll, he'll do his darndest to help us. Oh, it's been proven if, many times over. Yeah. And if we let him, oh, he'll feel good about it and he'll like it. And then, and then we're kind of off to the races and you can just do whatever you want with him and keep learning from him. And for me, that's just been the coolest thing is, is, is just helping people with that. Cause when it changes, when that awareness and that perspective changes, when it's no longer, oh, damn horse, ah, horse is this, ah, this horse is bad. And they start looking at themselves. They realize, oh, they're treating their family this way, their, their wife, their kids, their coworkers. They're like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I got to change some things. And, and that's what my whole thing is based off of is the sensitivity of the horse. Yeah. Cause yeah. what we were talking about earlier is we're not that sensitive anymore. But if you allow the horse to show you and you listen, he will in turn make you more sensitive because he still has to worry about dying. So, so his sensitivity level is very, very high. Yeah, I think I'm going to get on a soapbox for about two seconds here. But as far as awareness goes, right, awareness and sensitivity, I think social media and electronics play a huge role in that, right? How many times do you, do you go into town and you see people just walking around texting on the phone or you're in the middle of a conversation and somebody picks up a phone, right, to send off a text message or an email or whatever? And I'm just guilty as the next person, right? I've done all of that stuff. But I think it has conditioned us for a sense of instant gratification. It's conditioned us to not necessarily invest in what's right in front of us. We always want to do something else. And and a lot of those those behaviors start to project in, into our horses, right? Because we, con- we condition ourselves not to pay attention. Well, if you ain't paying attention, how can you hold your horse accountable to do the same? Yes, sir. You... I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. And um, I could add one thing to that. All of that pulls you out of the moment, being in the moment. Correct. Um, I'm kind of a weird guy in that aspect is I live out in the middle of nowhere and uh, I love to do this. And this is my path to help people. So I do it a lot. Like I I ride about 16 horses a day, Mm -hmm. six, seven days a week every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, I do everything I can to prepare to do that as well as I can. And what I found is if I don't have my life in order, like my house accountable, I get my exercise in, I talk to the people that are my friends that I need to talk to. If I don't have everything running right and in in my household and my circle, it is even harder for me to be in the moment. And I, I'm off social media more than a lot of people. I, I do use it for work, yeah, but I, I yeah. kind of post and go. Yeah. I don't uh, stay there because I got a lot of work to do and I like what I do. But horses work on alpha waves, right? They're in the present moment. They're only trying to be okay right now. Whenever they do something, that's all they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to figure out what does this guy want me to do so I can get some peace. Yeah, I I try to I try to I try to use the 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 acronym WIN, right? What's important now? That's the question that you got to answer. You know, whenever exactly. you start to run into problems with the horse or 
whenever you exist around the horse at all, you know, if, if you can answer what's important now and, exactly. and make that your goal of the day, then, uh, then some cool things can start happening. Oh my gosh, you can move forward. And, and I think just this, just talking about this and people becoming aware of it. Cause I asked so many people, I'm like, man, you're not here right now. Like, uh, you're not in the moment. And they're like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, no, man, you're not yeah. like your horse is, is telling you on you right now. And, and they're going to tell it like it is. They're always honest. They're the only thing, you know, a horse and a dog and some people, but yeah. not all people yeah. are the only things I've met that will show up every day and not just show up, but show up with their hammer cocked. Yeah. With ready, commitment. ready to go to work as long as you do your part. Yeah. You know, and that is, to me, that's been a big part because uh, humans in my life have not always been good. In fact, they've been quite the opposite. I've... So when I got to the horse and he showed me that, it was like, it sounds kind of hippy-dippy, but it was like a hug almost. Yeah. Because when you're in a situation when people show up different every day and kind of bang on you and stuff, um when something shows up consistently, it surprises the hell out of you. And um, to this day, when I don't want to get up or when I'm having a bad day or I feel like being a crummy person, uh, I can't because of that. The, the horses gave me that opportunity and um, they gave me a good perspective. I learned a lot of bad from humans when I was younger and a lot of what not to do, but the things that I like about myself, I learned from horses. Um, and, and cause they gave me a perspective. And when I first started working with horses, there's a lot of stuff that I, I hated. And there's a lot of tears shed in the round crowd. Um, cause I didn't really work with anybody to do this. I started just working with as many horses as I could. I've ridden with people. I've, I've, I've ridden with Joe Walters and Buck Brandman and, and guys like that. But when I really got on the stuff was when I started looking at myself Yeah. because I, I'm not those guys, you know, I need to figure out how can Tristan learn from the horse? Yeah. What skills does Tristan have? What, what faults do I have? And then, Hey man, it's okay. Like I try and tell people if the horse tells you a fault, don't get mad. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at him. Get happy. You should be grateful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awful. It's a bad, bad place to be dumb and not know you're dumb, but man, it's, it's even better to be dumb and figure it out. Cause guess what? You can change yeah, it. Have somebody tip you, you, you off can a influence. Bit. Yeah. So man, that's a positive thing. Get excited about yeah. that because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a hammerhead. I, I learned from messing up yep. and that's why I help people is I've been given an opportunity. I get to ride every day, all day. Um, so I can take a lot of legwork out for people if they'll just really listen and study it because I've made a lot of mistakes and I've watched a lot of people make mistakes and I'm going to make plenty more. Yeah. And everything I teach is based on that because it takes a lifetime to live a lifetime. But if you can read and learn from other people and educate yourself with other people who are really, really, you know, really putting their nose to the grindstone in their craft. Oh man, you can, you can bump ahead real quick. Yeah. You make up for lost time. Yeah. Or lost time or time that hasn't, you know, we haven't had yet. And for me, that's a big thing. Cause, uh, we're all just human and we don't know when we're going to go. So why not get up every day and try and make it the best you can? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I want to, 
I want to get into your story a little bit because you touched on it here very briefly. When I when I first learned of your story, right, I, I think of the Adam's adage, victim or victor, right? Oftentimes, people are faced with a certain, certain set of circumstances in life, and they let those circumstances either define them or define their perspective and their approach to life. Oftentimes, that's attached to negative connotation, and, and people live a lifetime of, of this weight on their shoulders. Now, and getting through your story here in a little bit, we will learn how less than favorable circumstances can drive you to a point of perfection that, that most common people don't take. And I think that's the greatest takeaway in, in your story and your testimony is just that, is that the human being has a lot more control over the circumstances they are handed and the outcome of those circumstances, but it takes a, a change in approach. It takes a change in mentality. So if you don't mind, let's start working through some of your history and some of your upbringing and kind of how life pushed you to the horse. And then we'll get into how that horse really, really taught you some special stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that's quite, that's quite the journey. I'll try and sum it up for you. Um, so when I was a little kid, it all started, I, I reckon things were relatively uh, normal for a little bit. My dad met a woman who uh, told him, she was a particular person and was a particular age, both of which she was not. Um, nine months later, they had a little kid. That little kid was me. They, you know, kind of stayed together for a couple months. And then uh, when everything took a turn, uh, my biological mother, she decided to take me and just leave. Randomly, no, nothing, just leave. And uh, she was in the drugs, you know, kind of do whatever she could, take whatever she could. And um, after that, started bouncing around from place to place. And with the drug thing comes dudes, because um, dudes help you get drugs. So that's where a lot of the stuff came from, was from her and from the guys. Because when, you, when you're on a bunch of stuff, your brain quits working. It's hard for some people to imagine, but you got to realize this is happening all over um, with people. So I think that's an important thing why we actually are sincere with people, because there were a lot of people who kind of knew what was happening, um, but never really dug into it. And my dad looked for me for a really long time. And it, it got to a point where it was it was kind of the guy couldn't really do too much about it. And she contacted him. But was kind of playing the legal system and everything, trying to keep him at arm's distance. So I go through my younger years and lots of drugs, lots of guys that come over um, beating up on you from, you know, physical to mental to actually getting injured. I, I had my hip broken oh, and uh, I got stabbed a couple times and things like that. I laugh about it now and people yeah, I was be like, say you just talk heck? about it like but, it's tying your shoes. <laughs> Well, I've, I, I realized I had to face this because yeah. otherwise those are the kind of things that will eat a man up when they're yeah. 40, 45, 50. You yeah. just turn into a bitter son of a gun. Yeah. And um, for me, I don't know why. Um, I, yeah, there was some time when I was little, why me, why me, why is this happening? But then it, it, it just kind of 
it, it just kind of was happening. And, and I realized, oh man, I better, you know, I better just kind of go with it and, and try and make it. And, um, but yeah, so I, I went along and I missed out on a lot of school, which was kind of tough. So I, I was, I was back. I, I missed a couple years of school and things like that in between just from getting hauled around and all that kind of stuff. And then, so there was up, up until I was about 11, that happened. And, uh, then we'll skip forward. I, I ran away, got in contact with my dad. Uh, this was after quite a few attempts and, um, he flew down and got me and, uh, I left with him and, and I made the decision to stay with him. And just to kind of give you some perspective, on the kind of the woman that we're, we're dealing with after I moved in with my dad and decided to stay, my biological mother called me and was trying to get money and stuff, which was pretty normal and, uh, faked the fact that she had cancer and was going to die and things like that to try and get me to come back and give her money. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah. So that's a pretty dark place. And, and that yeah. is a real thing. Yeah. But that's important to know because we can't act like we're not capable of that because she is at the end of the day, like we were talking about earlier, a human yes. and we are a human and we would like to think we wouldn't do that. But hell, I don't know if I was in those same circumstances, I very well could have fallen out to the same thing she did. Um, I think you bring up a good point about judgment, right? Not, not casting stone. Cause we, you truly don't know unless you're the man in the arena, right? Unless your feet are in those boots. A hundred percent. That's, yeah, if we could think of that, I think we'd be a lot better to be around. A little bit more compassionate, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you just don't know what somebody's what somebody's gone through. And, and in no um, way am I condoning drug use and stealing and deception and all that other stuff. But oh no, not know, at all, not at all. But uh, not at all. As far as casting judgment goes, you know that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more because we all, we all come from different places, and and like in my situation, you can't pick who your family is and your, your parents are and your situation is when you're little. That's kind of why that's such a bad thing when that happens. Cause a child is pretty helpless. Like they, they haven't really done anything yet, good or bad. They're just kind of there trying to get to the point to where maybe they can do some good, you know? Um, but when, when I, when I transitioned and got with my dad, that's when, when things started to change, there was a, a tough couple of years cause my, uh, dad was kind of a rough feller, but much, much, much better than, um, where I came from. And he tried hard, but, uh, my dad had an abusive dad and, um, didn't really know so much about how to raise a kid. He just kind of given her a heck and, and still working a full-time job. But a really cool point was when a, a woman named Susanna came along uh, that my dad married, I think, when I was 12, 12 and a half, something like that, 13. And um, this this woman has several several children, which are my um, – they're my stepbrothers and stepsisters, but I call them my brothers and sisters. And she was – she's a very smart woman and just had – she – she, I never talked about what happened to me, but she understood it. Whereas my dad was just like, ah, oh, he's just being a pansy, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, because when I was little there for a good little while, 14, 15, if anything would happen, I'd go zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Like I, I was quiet and I'd, I'd be good. But if you mess with me, I go zero to a hundred real quick. 
And that's just, that's not right. But that was a byproduct of my environment, which at that time I did not understand, but she did, you see. So she helped facilitate that and help me get through it and help me get the help that I needed to catch up with school and develop some of my motor function and things like that. Um, and that, that, that was a big saving grace for me. She's very smart and, and seen things like that. And she's been through things herself and in her childhood and her life. So instead of pushing me away and calling me a bad kid, uh, she saw that I was pretty dang troubled and I just needed some help. And, um, man, was she a catalyst for that. And I am thankful for her and that every day. And she helped my dad a lot with, um, how he communicated and things like that. And, uh, that, that was a big change for me. So I, I finished out high school with them and, uh, their, that, that whole family, which was, which was a great thing. Cause I never had any brothers or sisters like that. And, uh, they're all good kids all in different places now. And, and whenever I turned 18, I left and, uh, I came to Montana and I started uh, packing and, and guiding elk hunters and fly fishermen all through the Bob Marshall and the Zorky Mountain Ranges just to get experience. Because my whole life, when I was younger, I was always drawn to horses. I would draw them. I would ask for them. I wanted them with everything. I got to ride a few, but never consistently. When you're in that kind of poverty, that's just not a thing. So what? And I wrote a few that I started to ride whatever I could right there in high school before I left went when I could. And, um, as soon as I left, it was all horses from then on out. Uh, at that point, I had not yet known that I wanted to pursue a journey in horsemanship, but I was just so drawn to the horse. I knew that's what I had to do. So I started packing and I went through the, the, um, the bitter route first and then the Zorky Mountain Range, I lived out of Cook City, and I worked for a company named Stillwater Outfitters, which was pretty cool. I, I guided fly fishing trips and pack trips and things like that all through Yellowstone and the Zorky um, Mountain Range, Zorka, or however it's pronounced. I was going to say, that's not, and, a bad, not a bad office to report to every day, huh? Oh, my gosh. It was phenomenal. And a great time for me to really, now that... I was starting to get a little bit older, starting to think for myself to process things without all this stimulus that you and I were talking about. You see, I, everybody else was in town partying and all this, and I saw partying and all that when I was growing up. So I was uh, totally pushed against that. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, I am not going down that path. I know everyone in my family has really addictive personalities. I don't need no part of that. So I, I just started packing and things like that. And, and, and there along the way, I went to school at Montana State University, and I studied animal science. Uh, first one in my family to go to college. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting thing for school was not so much how my brain worked. And I was a little bit behind when I started, but I got her done. And I, I, I learned a whole lot, a whole lot. Um, but Along those lines is when I, I really started to key in on horsemanship. I was working for a ranch, and I was cowboying and, and calving out about 900 headed cows. And we used horses, and other guys used horses, but I just couldn't understand 
why our horses never got any better. In fact, sometimes they got worse. Um, and at this point I, I hadn't ridden with anybody, no training experience, but I could always just kind of ride one. Um, that I, that's one thing I could do is I would just get on and go, uh, no matter what it was. And along that, just a switch flipped. I, I just started to see a little bit of progress with some things. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this could be different. And then my brain just went full haywire <laughs> at that very moment. And I knew what I was supposed to do. And it was the weirdest thing. And I knew I was supposed to start learning from the horse about how to be better. And at that point, and there was some catalyst to that too. I, I read Tom Dorrance's books and Ray Hunt's books. And some of the things they talked about, like, Ride as many horses as you can. Be aware. Learn from the horse. You're going to make mistakes, but it's okay. You, you got to persevere. All these things that I'd kind of learned in my life, it was like, oh, that makes sense to me. I can do that. Yeah. I'm not very smart, but I can dang <laughs> sure persevere. I can yeah. hang in there yeah. with the best of them. I might that. not know what I'm doing, but I'll hang in but there. But I'm doing it, so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, if I do that, heck, they say if you do it enough and you really work at it, you'll get somewhere. So that was the point when I started riding as many horses as I could. And that, that's been 400, 450 horses a year for the past six years now. Well, seven years, really. And, uh, oh, man, has the, the learning has gotten better and better. I learn more now every day than I ever have, um, which sounds silly, but I do because I, I'm just aware more, I think. It makes sense because – this is going to sound funny, but as you learn, you learn to learn, right? You start to yeah. you start to adapt and you're, you're, you're able to absorb more and you're able to look at things from a different perspective and you're able to take in more information under stress and pressure and be able to metabolize it and work through it and, and things that once overwhelmed you, that same volume of information is, is less than testing, you know? Exactly. It kind of gets ingrained in there and you brought up a great thing, which is when we're stressed and things hit us, that, that kind of came back to the punching in the nose thing earlier. That's mm -hmm. a pretty drastic example, but it's easy to be a good guy when everything's going just right. Yeah. It's a whole nother story when your back's against the wall and yeah. everybody's pointing their finger at you and hitting you with stuff. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. So that's the man I try and be. I, I try and be the guy who still sticks to his guns and is true to himself. Even when, you know, the stuff hits the fan and that is, Oh man, that, that was an accelerant with the horses because, because that's what they really helped me do was master my emotions and by no means have I mastered them, but in comparison to how they were, I have. <laughs> and, but the great part about life is right. Is it is with horsemanship, life is a living piece of art right? It's always being worked on. There's always a different way to approach it. There's always something Every to improve day. on, you know? We're never, in my opinion, we're never there, right? We never reach the destination emotionally or physically or through horsemanship, you know? There's there's 100%. always something to work on, and and that's the joy in all of this. However, to to be able to enjoy it, right, you have to have a little patience and forgiveness with yourself and understand that mistakes are going to be made, and you're not going to progress sometimes, you might even regress in moments or seasons of life, you know, but, but there's always something to work on and there's always a way to get better nonetheless. When there's something to learn from that, 
you got to be real, real sure that when you do regress, it's for a reason. It didn't yeah. just happen. Yeah. That's when I started improving was when I, I started breaking down why things went bad. Instead of just saying they went bad, I would examine them. And at first it was unhealthy. I would just tear myself apart, but that's also how I got quite a bit better. But then I had to realize that that too in itself is balance. You can't hate yourself. You, you yeah, got to love yeah, who you are too. Yeah. And um, the biggest thing has just been finding out how much you don't know. And that was empowering because then um, we all have an ego. I definitely have one. But when it comes to this learning and stuff like that and, and the riding, I chuck it out the window because the horse has showed me that that is not helpful with him. All that'll do, all your ego will do is get him competitive. It won't, and not in a good way, not, not like, you know, running down the arena faster. I mean, against you, because the horse does have some wherewithal and some fortitude. And if you're coming after him, he'll, he'll start to recognize that and he'll prepare for that. Well, it goes back to their survival instinct, right? This is something that's ingrained into their core and they live and breathe and die by it every single day. Humans have a survival instinct. It is nowhere near the strength, right, that a, that a horse has. We have all the modern conveniences of accessible food and water and shelter and all that stuff, you know. We don't have to fight to live. They do. And, and when you start to compete against a horse on that level, good luck. Yeah, it's not it's not going to go well. It yeah. can get pretty hairy. It can get pretty hairy. So that's that's been a big thing. It's just um, you don't want to be emotionless. But when things do start to escalate, or for instance, okay, um, I had a guy who's a really good cowboy from Dillon um, bring up a horse, and I get a lot of horses like this that I help people with that he'd bucked off of and was pretty dang scared of the horse. And um, he was honest about it. He wasn't even trying to hide it. Well, he couldn't hide it, but, you know, sometimes guys will just try and muster up anyways, and they won't really address it. Yeah. Um, I'm not like that. I, I was like, dude, I'm not because I, I was ponying the horse for him. I'll, what I did was I, he would work the horse and show me where he's having trouble. And I'd kind of help him with that a little bit and, and things. But then we got to where we're horseback and he's going to get on. And that's kind of where we started addressing that I'm horseback with a lead rope. So I can kind of get the horse's first steps without him having to do a whole lot mm -hmm. because he was so tight and so nervous and apprehensive that it was just like when your legs and your body's tense, it's like having the radio on high for your horse. Yeah. Your body's just yelling at them. That's There's so analogy. much energy there. And so I had to get the radio turned down a little bit before we could go anywhere. <laughs> and and um, so what I did was I just talked to him about it. I was like, man, you're already up here. The kind of worst part's already over. At least you got both feet in the stirrups and, I started cracking jokes yeah. and that's yeah, two anybody hands for a who knows me, and... Yeah. Anybody who knows me and, uh, has seen my work, it, I can do some stuff where I can take a horse that's a lot of people can't do anything with, and I can get him to where you can ride him and he won't get upset. That's the, kind of my whole thing is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. figuring out what that is. And, um, I worked on him with his breathing and, first time i said hey man breathe and he's like i'm breathing damn it and i'm like oh man not not that way like like breathe in through your belly yeah. you know because so yeah. many people first off don't know how to breathe yeah. they're just kind of shallow breathing all the time 
and that's something I've studied a little bit along my journey of uh, sports and yeah. exercise and well, things like that. It's funny you get that. to telling people, hey, just relax. And then you get that response. I am relaxed. And you're like, uh, yep. no. So I go to the breath. <laughs> nope. I go to the breath. Because yeah. as soon as you breathe through your gut and then into your chest and then into your head, it releases endorphins and yeah. you start to relax yeah. immediately. And first couple breaths were pretty shaky. And the next thing you know, my buddy, he... He started breathing. He's like, oh, man, I feel better. I'm like, how funny how that works. That's awesome. Good for you, man. And I mean, if you really want to peel back the layers on this, I mean, there is there is physiological benefits to breathing, right? The actual air oh, passing yeah. through your nose, right? Allows your body to know, hey, I'm good. I need oxygen to survive and I'm getting a good amount of it, right? That's where the hyperventilation issues come into, into play with stress is because your body can't read its ability to breathe. And the the simple fact of drinking water, right? Your body knows, hey, I'm I'm gaining some kind of substance that that is going to help me survive. So you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, when people get into these these stressful situations, or they it doesn't need to be high stress, right? They could just start to lose their mind a little bit and, and yeah. get a little flustered. You know, the act of taking a big deep breath through your nose and just exhaling nice and easy, right? That alone will start to change the way your body responds to stress. It will. It'll yeah. change your chemistry. Yeah. But firstly, you got to be aware of it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. That you're actually doing it. Because yeah. so many times people go along and they won't even realize that they're terrified. I mean, they know it, but, but they don't they're know how trying to, fix to cover it. it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we kind of went through that and he relaxed and uh, we got the horse moving and the horse was a little tight at first, but never bucked or anything like that. And then he rode him and he's, he's using him to calve on now. And, uh, that that was just kind of an example of that energy, and 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 that's the thing with the horse is that energy is so important, and that's how I get a lot of things done is not by physical force, but kind of with my mind and how I use the energy in my body, because the, the the horse is so aware. So, say I'm going down the road, right, and there's a big pasture of horses, and uh, on the other side there's just grass, and I'm just on the gravel road. And, um, let's say those horses are to the left. So my horse is walking and he's got his own nose down and the reins are swinging and he's walking nice. Right. Well, say maybe he starts to look left. Now I'm just going to ask you, we'll see what you say. How, how would you fix that? I'd ride that horse to where he needs to go. Yeah. Well, well, break it down for me. Step by step. Say I'm, we're riding down the road. He starts to look at those horses. And what's your goal? What would be the first thing you do? Well, just, just keep going where you're going, but how would you address that? Well, you got to give some, the, the horse something else to, to, to pay attention to, right? Something to ground him and get him back to you because as you're describing the situation, I think the horse is just, it's his natural draw, right? He's a herd animal exactly. and he's going to what's comfortable. Um, exactly. You're going to have to find a way, and it's hard to give you a specific answer because I don't know that horse and that personality, but the foundation of it is right. You're going to have to, you're going to have to provide some level of comfort to that horse to where his, his attention is back on you. And he sees you as the comfortable herd rather than the natural animal. That's a way better answer than I usually get. So what I would say I would do in that situation, regardless of the horse would be, I'd increase my energy as soon as he just started to look over there. I wouldn't do what a lot of people say. I wouldn't go down the right rein and pull his nose yeah, around. Yeah, most people want to physically drive him, drive him yeah. off. And if you just increase your energy, and the reason I'm saying this is this happens to everybody every time they ride. And if they would just tune in on this, they go, oh, dang. 
So as soon as that horse looks, if you just change the energy in your body just a little bit, not too much, he'll straighten out. And then as soon as he's straight, you got to let that energy subside a little bit. Mm -hmm. You see, and it it doesn't mean that he won't look back. Yeah, I was going to say, this is finite horsemanship right here, you know? It is, but oh my gosh, instead of calling it finite, call it important. Because if you pay attention to this, it will change everything you do. Because that's it shows you how little it takes. And and that's what I try and do is show people little examples. Because all it takes is maybe one person hearing that or one little example of that. And then that person is on a journey. They're like, oh my gosh, I can influence him. And I didn't even pull on his head. Yeah. Well, I think it naturally, right, we think control or we assimilate control to to physical presence, right? Or, well, that's how we physical are. physical skill, yep. right? That's just, yep. that's, that's what we're hardwired to do. Whereas, you know, you start to inject a little horse into your own personality and thought process. It goes back to those things of, you know, energy and proximity and, and attitude and presence. You know, a lot of the stuff that yeah. we, we have lost touch and feel on as far as human yeah. beings. But the thing is, is they'll teach us that. Yeah. You, you, you just have to be willing to look. And this is and tough stuff, like, right? Because you talk oh, about that. Oh, it's not that. easy. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, how do you teach somebody to be more aware? How do you teach somebody to have better feel? How do you teach somebody how to have better timing? You know, it, it, it truly takes breaking down the horse. And, and when, when you're working with people, you got to put them in controlled circumstances and controlled environments where you, you, you can control some of the stimulus, right? And allow the human being to work through some of that on their own because... I truly tell people, right, to each their own. The way I perceive a situation riding a horse is going to be different than the way you do it. Oh, very much Is so. it right? Very is it wrong? I mean, yes, to some extent it can be right and wrong, but but to a lot of it, it's 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 up to you and how, how you communicate with your animal. Yes, sir. I would agree with that. I am a little bit of a stickler on the, the right and wrong things. I think there are lots of things that are right and lots of things that are wrong. I'm not saying you got to skin a cat one way. Yes. But if yes. you're pulling that dang thing's mouth open, That's in wrong. my opinion, yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. And if you're running spurs through his belly all the time, not saying it doesn't need to happen every now and again, and especially with a spoiled horse, but if you're doing it over and over and he's cracking his tail, it's wrong. Yeah. Things like that. Because there's a lot of people who say, oh, no, 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 that's all right. And it's not. that. Uh, in my opinion, that horse is expressing uh, discomfort that he's not happy, things like that. So, but that's for me, that's the coolest thing is just showing people those little things. It's like what you're talking about, our natural instinct. Everybody, when they start a cult, they want to bend him, bend him, bend him, bend him. And if you do not have really good feel and really good timing and, uh, you go to bend him, you're going to do what we talked about earlier. You're going to block his feet. He's going to feel like he can't run and he's going to freak out. Yeah. And uh, you, you're not going to have the hindquarters developed enough to where they're effective. He's going to run through your hand and probably buck you off and buck harder than if you weren't pulling on him. And that's a way that I actually get people to ride a lot of these horses is I'll move their feet for them so that I can move them in a way which is comfortable to the horse. And I can kind of shut him down before he gets too quick. Whereas if I'm just starting a colt, a lot of times I don't use the round corral. I will if I'm doing a seminar or something. But most of the time people bring me horses, I just start them in my arena. Mm-hmm. And because um, I'll get the horse to where he likes to be around me and then I'll get on him. And yeah, he might have some issues with some other people. But if I stay out of his way, he'll travel. 
and I just won't touch his head or nothing. I'll, I'll just teach him how to move his feet forward, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. the, the least resistance. Mm-hmm. Cause if the horse doesn't know anything, why would you use your hands and your legs? That's two things. Two is more than one. Yeah. We're teachers, we're leaders. We're trying to teach him how to act here. So I'll just get him going forward. And then by the time I get him going forward, when I pick up on that rain, whether else someone has trashed him or not, I can do whatever I want with his feet. Because what I was doing by just letting him travel around the arena was I was checking him out. I got on him and I said, hey, man, how are you doing? He said, oh, man, Tristan, I'm pretty scared. I kind of don't know about this deal. And then they're pretty quick. He's like, oh, Tristan, uh, this ain't, it's getting a little better. I'm still kind of nervous, but my feet are going forward and nothing's happened bad to me yet. And the next thing you know, he's like just got his old nose stretched out and he's kind of walking. He's like, oh, man, I can kind of relax. Yeah, I get used to this. Yeah. And then, and then at that moment, that's when I pick up on a rain and then I can influence his feet and he'll let me because I waited. Cause mentally I didn't he's try in a place and do too, it. Yeah. Yes. We're together. We're going together. Even though we don't know anything, we're going together. And that's how like you can do a flying lead change on a horse on the first ride or a turnaround because you wait. Okay. It, that's what we're talking about earlier. You got to be in the moment. You got to look for that moment and be prepared for it and capitalize on it. Not, not make it happen, set it up and, and wait for it to happen. And then when it gets there, you be prepared for Take it. it. But, yeah. but that comes from experience and that comes from practice. So that's, that's what I try and help people with is see how they can do that because I don't want people to think this is unattainable. That's what everybody told me. There are some, I'm not going to mention who, but some pretty affluent people in this business that told me I would never do it and never make it and this and that. And, uh, cause my family didn't do this and all that. Well, uh, they're not saying that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, they, they kind of avoid me now, but, um, that's, don't think you guys can't do it because if you just go watch and you learn and don't get me wrong, it's not supposed to be easy. Not a damn thing in life that's good and worthwhile and has some merit is easy. It's yeah. not supposed to be. We, we get challenges put in our life for a damn reason mm-hmm. so you can improve, so you can get better. You can see that you're not all that. Yeah, you might be good. Yeah, that's, that's good that you're good, but you can be better. Mm-hmm. You see, and, mm-hmm. and that's what all those experiences are. Or, or to help us move forward. So when you're working with your horse uh, and you get to a challenge, don't look at it as an insurpassable mountain. I, people do that all the time. And that right there, that triggers you to the sympathetic nervous system. That gets you scared. You feel like you got something you can't pass. Well, if you look at it, instead of a problem, you look at it as an opportunity. Well, heck, you noticed there was something wrong. Now you can help the horse with it. And as soon as you help him with it, he will appreciate you much more. Yeah. You see how we can have a cascade of just positive effects? Yeah. All just from observing. And and that's what I'm trying to teach people is you don't have to know everything, you know, and you don't have to go to a clinician every weekend or even once a year. If you start learning how to learn from your horse, that's the best teacher there is. I haven't met a man alive and I've watched everybody who can sit a horse. I have not met a man alive that I'm 100% happy with his horsemanship because the horse still shows us where we can get better. And that is what's inspired me because I like a challenge. And the fact that I can come in here 
and I can work on something that there is no pinnacle to, that every day I can get better, that keeps me going, you know? Absolutely. It's it's an incredible feeling. And, and for me, it's just, I think the greatest thing for me is the pursuit, right? That's what I enjoy. I enjoy the pursuit rather than the, the goal or the finish line, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where I devote a lot of my attention. And, and that's where I find my comfort is just walking that line, you know, enjoying the yeah. journey. I, I don't know what the end of the road entails. I don't know if I'll even ever make it there, you know, because we got to take life one day at a time. But every time you're with your horse is another opportunity, like you said, and there's always going to be something to work on. Oh, 100%. And it, that is such an empowering thing. If you don't have to come up with a lesson plan, if no. you just show up, they'll give it. Ask to you. your horse how he's doing. Yeah, check him out, and next thing you know, you'll be working on something, and it'll be what you're supposed to be working on. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll be moving forward, and then you'll learn something. The next day, you'll come back with more knowledge. And look at that. See, we act because you and I we're very goal oriented, and that that's a balance for me too. For the longest time. I just like the struggle and I still do. I'm a glutton for it. Like this morning I ran, <laughs> I ran 12 miles before this phone call and I like to do something difficult because then I know when I go through the day, nothing will be as hard as what I've already done Yeah. or, or, or I can just manage it. But my, a big struggle for me was rejoicing. in when I do meet a goal, I've struggled with that because I'm always on to the next one. Because yeah. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to not have food like I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. I want to be able to raise a family and have some good things. I very much understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah. And I figured you would. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just from listening to you. Yeah. So it, we all have our challenges. I think it's more important that we talk about what we struggle with and what we come through. Because so many people today just want to be stinking comfortable. And that's all great. Like more power to you, but you are not going to be happy Yeah, because you don't, it doesn't just happen that way. <laughs> the growth comes you, in discomfort, you know, it yeah. really does. It really, really does. It does. And if you learn how to lean into that, you get used to it. Just like this learning thing, instead of looking at everything as a great big problem, you just go, okay, this is what it is. I'm this feeling, it out. Yeah. yeah, this feeling, it's not good or bad. It is. And you lean into it. Uh, something goofy I do that helps me with that. I, I do lots of weird stuff, but I, um, have you ever heard of the Wim Hof method? I have not. Well, so it's, it's a breathing method that this fellow uses and, um, he's been able to show a bunch of great things with it. Might be something you'd, you'd be interested in reading about, but part of the deal is cold exposure. And, uh, so I have a tank out behind my house and even all winter I would do this, which it was very, I had to break the ice off the tank. But um, I get in the cold because your first response when you get in the cold is to get tense, to panic. What's your first response when you get on a cold that um, has bucked everybody off and is supposed to buck you off? Yeah, you panic. You get tight. Yeah. I don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, and this has been a big part of that is that breathing and in that I'll put myself in that stressful situation. And the, the key to cold water is relaxing. You see, everybody gets in the cold water and they think it's cold. I get in the cold water and it's just water. Yeah, well, you did. I mean, I've done, done a little bit of training with cold water immersion and things yeah. of that sort. And 
And it's true, right? You get in there and you get tense, you get to shiver. Now you're starting to burn energy, right? You're burning off more yeah. heat than you need to be. You're fighting it. And yeah. you can actually, if you pay enough attention, you can get those shivers to stop. It doesn't take, oh, yeah. doesn't take too much effort. And it's the same thing with the riding the colts or say someone is real rude to you and you want to yell at them. Don't. There's no good's going to come of that. As mm-hmm. soon as you get mm-hmm. emotional, your heart rate goes up, your respiration goes up, and your rational thinking decreases just like the horse. So if you can do a couple little things, and for me, those are some of the things I have to do to help keep me sharp, Yeah. but they've been crucial on my journey because I was not always good at that. I, you know, I tell people now, don't panic. It's not the Titanic used to, I panicked every time (laughs) I, 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 I would, I would, like I told you when I was a little kid, I, my sympathetic nervous system was on all the time. I'd see a cop car, I'd hit the floor, I'd duck, you know, all of that stuff was in me till I was, I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I still feel it. It's still, it's still in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, I've had to do some weird stuff to tune me down a little bit because I was too edgy. You know, you like grab me on the shoulder and I'm it depends how you grab me. You yeah. know, you might grab me the wrong way and I might overreact to it. Not anymore, but for a long time. So you see how that ties in with how I started to understand horses because oh, I myself went through some of it. And that's... I look at your life and when you're young and describing your upbringing, you know, there's so much stimuli in your life, right? Between mom and boyfriends and drugs and the partying and the instability and not going to school and and you're young and you don't have the ability to make your own decisions right your your environment is forced upon you you know then you hit 18 years old and you say heck with it I'm on the road and you get these opportunities to open up it's the exact opposite of your upbringing right you get these opportunities to open up you're in environments that are are not stimulating at all right they're quiet they allow you to be with yourself they allow you to make your own decisions they allow you to start processing some stuff and I think all of it is a direct reflection of horsemanship and, and approaches that we can take to life in general. But the one question I did want to ask you, and we haven't quite gotten to it, is usually I kind of I wrap up episodes with like final thoughts, right, or, or words to live by. But with you and your story, I really want to hit on in your journey, what has been the one thing or what has been the most powerful thing the horse has taught you? in in changing the tides of your life and your approach um i think we touched on it a little bit but i i would say awareness of myself because i had all those things happen to me right and when you have stuff happen um like that it it puts some calluses and some apprehension and some some hardness and some resentfulness and it puts a lot of things into you that you don't even understand yet, or I didn't. And the horse showed me all that. And he, he didn't judge me for it, but he, he damn sure told me about it. And through my process of learning from him, I started to understand all of those things that I was doing to other people. You know, when I talk about your, how you treat your wife, your family, your friends, I was doing all that. But I wasn't aware to the extent of which I was, you see, and yeah. I, I had awareness, but I, I didn't have complete real understanding of myself. And I, I hadn't 
really accepted that. And the horse helped me with that. They, they helped me realize that. And then they helped me cope with it. Because like I told you, they always showed up. They're always there. I've had a lot of people let me down. I have yet to meet a horse that has. Not one, and I've ridden thousands of them. Yeah. I've ridden good ones, bad ones, once the canter. I have a horse here right now that that was a really nice fraternity horse, sold for like 15000 as a long yearling. I bought him at the fairgrounds, bucking people off. I watched him buck four people off. I bought him for 1300 bucks. He is the coolest horse I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. And that goes to show you, um, pressure makes diamonds. Uh, we can go through way more than we think we can. And the horse has been an example of that. I've worked with lots of horses that have been in wrecks and people won't do anything with them because that's what I had to do to start. Cause my family didn't do this. I didn't have anything. I didn't have money and stuff. So I had to ride whatever I could. And they showed me that you could make it even if you've been through crap, yeah. you see, and, and you can be perfectly fine. You, not just, okay, you can be exceptional, but you've got to persevere and you have to be honest. You've got to look at what's actually there and not pretend like it's not there. That's what they taught me. It's amazing your your perspective on all this, right? The lessons learned and and really being honest with yourself and where you were and where you're at. But I, I've mentioned it before, and, and you correct me if any of this is wrong in your experience. You know, some of the most broken horses have the most to give. And the premise of this show is just that, right? Some of the most broken humans have the most to give because of that experience, you know? And it's just a matter of putting them in environments in which they can, they can capitalize on, on who they truly are in their core. I, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And I mean, really, if we all think about it, any of the really beautiful people in our life, if you really talk to them, they'll usually downplay it a little bit because they've already went through it, but they have gone through the gamut. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can't compare suffering you because can't. everybody's suffering is unique. Um, you can't say that one person's displeasure over one thing is the same as another person's displeasure over another thing. It's, it's all discomfort, you see. Correct. So I think that's such a big thing. And that's really, at the end of the day, it, it sounds so cliche, but that's what I want people to know is – you can really, if you want to do something and you love it and you believe in it, you can do it no matter what. You, you just got to get up and move your feet. And you might not know what you're doing, but you just try. Yeah. And eventually it'll come it'll through. It'll start showing up. You're absolutely correct. And then it will lead so much good in your life because you'll be living life open with chasing something you love, you see. And that will bring people into your life that you never imagined. Yeah, I was going to say, who can say no to that, right? I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have can't. it. I have it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I have it. Good stuff, Tristan. Well, I very much enjoyed the last hour or so that we've shared. You know, you have an incredible testimony and, and you take a phenomenal approach to your horses and your horsemanship. And I think a lot of people can gain a lot of knowledge and experience out of following your material, you know, and participating in a lot of that stuff. So if you don't mind, maybe take a second. I know we, we briefly touched on it towards the beginning of the show, but I'd like to rekindle some of your, your social media or websites, you know, where people can follow some of your content. Okay. Um, at Meyer Company Ranch Horses is where I'm at on Instagram. I, I keep that pretty much updated. Um, the same thing for Facebook. 
Our website is MeyerCompanyRanchHorses.com. I write a blog post pretty much weekly for Cavi Savvy and Tri-State Livestock. If you want to check out a bunch of my material, it's on there. I've got colt starting videos, horsemanship videos. I put them out about weekly on YouTube under Meyer Company Ranch Horses. And I'm almost finished with my book, which I'm going to release myself here, hopefully by the end of the year. And it's going to be on horsemanship and not not so much a manual as the first chapter is actually titled awareness. And we talk a lot about what you and I just talked about. Yes, sir. And it's a book based on helping people realize the tools within themselves so they can be a good leader. Because that's all that's all horsemanship is, is is being a leader, you know, because I'm not baiting them. I'm not banging on them. They have to want to work for me. And if you've ever had a good boss, you want to work for him harder than you should. Yeah. Because he sets a good precedent, a good example. And, 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 and he works with those intrinsic systems that help us progress. Yeah, we can go on. I mean, leadership could be a whole episode in and of itself, you know, but I'm, I'm a firm believer with the, the, the life's great leaders are motivators. That's really what it is. They don't have to ask yeah. you to do a darn thing. You want to do it for them. Yep. Yep. So just try and be a leader. And um, at the end of the day, my goal with all this is to just be a little better human each day. Um, I don't always get better with my horses. Most of the time I do, but not always. <laughs> we try to put more not of the always. good days together than bad, right? Yeah. And, and, and just try and be a little better man at the end of the day yeah. because uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And that only, that only helps our family and friends. So I think if we all just try and just move ahead and realize we're all human, um, that's good. That's all good. Yes, sir. Well, we thank you very much for your time and we're looking forward to everything you got going the rest of the year. And if there's anything that we could ever do to help you along, you know, do not hesitate to reach out. You got my number and, and we'll put things together. Yes, sir. Most certainly. I appreciate it so much. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And, and, and really, thank you for taking the time to do all this because it's not over when we hang up. I yeah, know you do absolutely. all the editing and yeah. the processing and you get it up. So I really hope people take the time to, to realize all the work that you put into this because it is a lot. I thank you very much. It is a lot of work, you know, but it's worth it because the horses showed me some incredible things in my life and helped me in ways that, you know, I, I told people when I started this, if I could help one person, if I could help one person, you know, I'd consider the show a success. And and just week after week after week, I mean, I appreciate all the fans and all the listeners' support and all the messages that we get and all the affirmation I get from people. You know, hey, I heard this on an episode or or I've been fighting this fight for years and I, and I heard that perspective from this one guest, you know. And that's really what it's all about because, like you mentioned earlier in the episode, that we only got one shot at this life and there's only so much we can learn. but but when we put ourselves out there, there's so much more to learn that can get us up to speed a lot quicker. Yes, sir. A hundred percent. Hey, Tristan, I thank you very much. You have a good rest of the day and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, Go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. Again, we thank you and we'll see you on the next one.